morning, Spirit Church. We're so excited that you could join us today. We're singing a new song called Take You At Your Word. So let's stand up on our feet, put our hands together, and sing it out. Thank you at your 
this time, we would like to invite the prayer team to come forward. If you have a want or a need, we would love to pray with you. Oh 
to you, Lord. All the glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're comfortable, let's lift our voices, our hearts, our hands up to heaven. We magnify the name that is above every name, the one who was and is and is to come, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we thank you that you do not change. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are made new every morning. Your love endures forever and we praise you for these great and wonderful attributes they are truths from your word from your nature from your character from your person and we rest in those truths we are insufficient but you are more than enough we are weak but you are strong we are fearful but you're not afraid and we thank you that our confidence and our trust rests not in who we are what we have done or what we can do it doesn't rest in what we see around us our confidence comes from who you are. So today, we choose to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. All glory to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
As you came in this morning, we had communion available. I trust that you received that. If you did not, our ushers are prepared to serve you. If you'll just slip up a hand where you are, they'll kind of move in your direction to make sure that you got that. And while that process is taking place, if you already have your communion, would you bow your heart and your head with me? We want to evaluate our hearts before we take communion. We want to come before the Lord's table with a pure heart. You might want to pray, and I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. You might want to pray in whatever way feels best for you. But Lord Jesus, if there's sin in my life, God, if there are things this week that have been displeasing to you, please forgive me. Please bring those to light so that I can learn from them and not go down that road again. Help me to live more like you and to follow your footsteps and your example. I want to come before the table of communion today with clean hands and a pure heart, with you having renewed my spirit and made me more like you. Now that we've taken that moment and prayed that prayer, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So as we peel back that top layer and take that bread, before we receive it together, would you join me in giving him thanks? Lord Jesus, you came from heaven to earth, born of the Virgin Mary. You walked in our footsteps. You healed the sick. You proclaimed freedom to those who were captive. You delivered those who were trapped and snared. You fed those who were hungry. You ministered to those who were hurting and broken. And then you were punished. You were beaten for crimes you did not commit. You carried a cross you should not have had to, to bear. And then you were nailed to it for our sin, not for yours. But you willingly chose to do that out of your great love for us. You gave your body your best that we might have life. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive together. The next verse goes on to say, in the same way he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. It's an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Once again, let's peel back that layer and then let's give him thanks for his blood. Come on, join me in praying. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for giving your blood for my forgiveness and freedom. Not only does your blood save me and cleanse me from my sins, your blood heals my body. The Bible says that by your stripes I'm healed. Your blood delivers me. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we thank you that we're saved, we're healed, we're delivered, we're forgiven, we're set free, we're living in victory because of what you have done. Not that we have done it, you did it. Thank you for your precious blood. Today we would be so remiss if we did not pray for those who have yet to hear the name of Jesus. Those who have, have yet to enjoy communion while we remember and reflect on what you have done. There are so many who don't know you. Lord, we pray for workers, laborers to be sent into the harvest fields that are ripe. Send them forth. May there be a great harvest of souls, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive that together. If you would set that aside somewhere, maybe on the floor or the chair beside you,
And let's lift up praise for what he has done. We remember your sacrifice. We're thankful for your body. We remember your blood. Come on, let's lift the volume in this room. We honor and glorify you, Jesus. What a work you have done for us. How great is your sacrifice. and prayer as we continue forward in our service. We believe in the power of this prayer and so we want to practice this together in saying the Lord's Prayer. Would you join with me in saying that this morning? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, we just remembered what Christ did for us, so we ought to give him praise this morning. Lord, you are worthy of it all. Hallelujah. 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 Man, God is up to something amazing. Amen. Amen. Come on, guys. Hey, today as you came in, you saw the tables that had little name tags on them. As you can see, my name is Daniel Hubbler, and it's written like a four-year-old, and that's okay, all right? You're going to forgive me. I get paid to speak, not to write, right? All right, here we go. Hey, as you came in, you did that. We just want to say thank you so much for being a part of Name Tag November. And to practice this name tag learning, we want you to turn to your neighbor, give them a fist bump, look at their name tag, call them by name, and build a relationship that's going to last forever, and then we're going to keep going going forward in the service. Welcome to Spirit Church. I'm Katie, and we're so glad that you're here. Whether you're joining us in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family, and we love to connect. If you're here in person, you can use this QR code to fill out your Connect card or your Guest card. If you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church connect or spirit.church guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't feel any pressure to give. But if you're here and you would like to give, here are three ways that you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the commons area. You can give on our website at spirit.church give or you can use our Church Center app. Spirit Church, thank you for being so generous so we can spread love, joy, and peace to our community. Now, I have a few announcements for you. Our annual Christmas outreach, Gingerbread Kids, starts today. Gingerbread Kids gives us the opportunity to provide Christmas gifts for 100 students at Jane Phillips Elementary. If you would like to sponsor a child, you can sign up in the info table in the Commons area before you leave today. SYA's Friendsgiving is this Wednesday, November 15th at 8.30 p.m. Young adults 18 to 25 will be served Thanksgiving dinner, so join us and bring your friends. Lastly, November 26th is Baptism Sunday. If you would like to be baptized, you can sign up on our website at spirit.church slash sign up. Spirit Church, thank you for listening. Now get out your message notes as Pastor Jason continues our series, Do You Believe in Miracles?
are so glad that you are here this morning. Can we take just a second and give it up for everybody that's watching online today? We're so glad to have you with us online. Thanks for being a part of our church family. We usually see about 100 or more people that are watching online, and so thank you for being a part of this church. And I want to ask, if possible, would those in the room who are veterans, would you please stand so that we can honor you today? Let's honor our veterans as they stand. Awesome. Awesome. We thank you so much. We salute you. Veterans Day was first known as Armistice Day. It marked the end of the fighting of World War I in 1918. It was recognized by Congress as an official holiday in 1938. It was used to honor the veterans of World War I. In 1954, after World War II and the Korean War were both over, the word armistice was changed to the word veterans so that we would honor all veterans of American wars. And so we thank you so much. Uh, we enjoy the opportunity to worship today. We are, uh, enjoy freedom in our nation because of your sacrifice, and we honor you. Something I like to do about once a month is give you a spirit church update. So I'm going to take just a couple minutes to let you know some of the good things that God is doing here at the church. Just keep everybody in the loop. I'm going to start with the best news of all. In the month of October, 45 people said yes to Jesus. And so that's amazing to see that happening. And that's not just happening in our worship experiences here. That's happening in Spirit Kids, Spirit Kids Junior, and Spirit Youth. So God is just moving in a powerful way. In the first nine months of the year, so January through September, you gave $256,246.21 to missions and outreach that is being given out through Spirit Church. In January through September, you gave that amount, but we actually spent $410,887.15. And you say, wait, we gave that much, but you sent out way more than that. Where's the discrepancy come from? Well, that comes because we have a principle amongst our leadership here that started long before I got here when Pastor Daryl Wooten was our, our pastor, that we as a church tithe the first 10% of everything that comes in. We put it back into missions and back into outreach. So that's how we're able to give so much to missions and outreach. So thank you for helping us to believe in sharing the love, joy, and peace of Jesus Christ with the least, last, and lost. Thanks for making it possible then that can happen. Let me update you really quickly on where we are with our new building. We have an architectural design that we really like. We've spent the last nine months kind of tweaking and refining so that it would be the best use of space possible. We sent all of our plans out for bids about a month ago, and we were expecting the project to come back at about $7 million, around $250 a square foot. Last week, when the bids came in, the project came back closer to $10 million, well over $300 a square foot. For a frame of reference, the building that we're in right now came back $4.2 million, $125 a square foot. Take me back, right? Currently, we have about $2 million that is invested and is earning interest. The lenders that we have spoken to about our current project are offering us interest rates of 85 to 8.75%. With an interest rate that high, the payments annually would seriously keep us from being spirit church, from sharing the love, joy, and peace of Jesus Christ with the least, last, and lost. Now, this is the part I need you to hear me on. We are fully committed to this project. We are ready to move forward. 
Our board met this week, and we're committed to being people of faith, but we're also committed to being people of wisdom. And right now, wisdom says that we wait until we have a larger store of cash so that we don't get strapped down with a big loan at a high interest rate. Now, I need to make sure you hear this part, too. None of the money that you have given for the building has been spent. The architectural plans, the construction management fees have all been paid out of our general fund. The money that you have given to the project is all being invested and is earning right now over 5% interest. Here's our plan moving forward. We're going to keep saving money towards the project until we have enough cash to significantly reduce the amount of money that we would have to spend or take out a loan. I want to thank you for your faithfulness, and I want to ask you to please continue as the Lord leads you to give. Please continue to sow into this project, because the positive aspect of really high interest rates is it's a great time to invest and to earn money. We can't control the interest rate. We can't control, control construction costs. We pray they come down. What we can control is what we do. And we're excited about this project. We know this project is from the Lord, but we also know that wisdom comes from the Lord. And the wisest plan of action for us right now is to wait and invest more cash so that we don't have to take out as large of a loan. Our board, our leadership team is continuing to pray, and I'm asking you to keep praying with us. But as I've said from the beginning, please pray, Lord, help us reach one more. Don't pray, Lord, help us build a building. He'll take care of that part. We're called to reach one more. We're going to discuss more details at the State of the Church Address and at our annual business meeting in late January. But I just wanted to update you on where we are right now so that everybody understands our plan moving forward. Would you bow your head because we're going to pray about this. We don't do anything in Spirit Church unless we pray about it. So, Lord Jesus, we know that this is a plan from you. We thank you that you have placed this dream in our hearts, but we also thank you that you've given us wisdom in this moment. And we're leaning in to your wisdom and we're following your direction. We don't want to be so tied down to a loan payment that we cannot complete the ministry that you have called us to. So, God, we know that in your timing, you're going to open the door you're going to push this thing forward. Again, it's your plan. It's not ours. So we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for hearing my heart and letting me share with that. Forgive me for reading so much. I didn't want to say something wrong, so that's why I kind of looked down at the screen the whole time. One more thing before we get into the Word. Take out your phone. Pastors don't say that very often, but take out your phone. I want to get a photo of this on your phone because I want to be on your calendar before the Christmas events hit. It's middle of November, you're already booking stuff up, and I want first priority to be the events that we have going on, so make sure you get these dates locked in on your calendar. December 3rd, our kids' Christmas celebration, Spirit Kids and Spirit Kids Junior will be on this stage singing for us. It's one of the best events we have all year. December 6th is first Wednesday. December 10th, Pastor Daniel and Emily have an amazing night planned for our spirit youth called Christmas Craze. December 17th is Worship Christmas. I was in tears on Thursday night as Robin and I met with Jenny and we dreamed about what God's going to do and the way his presence is going to be so powerful on that morning. The 24th, Jesus' birthday party. This is always an exciting event. There's no children's ministry that day. We bring our whole family together in the room 
It's an awesome opportunity for us to celebrate the birthday of our Savior. Then on the 31st is our online-only worship experience. This is our thank you to our volunteers. We take that Sunday off, and we do an online service only. But then the date I really want you to hone in is the last one on there, January 3rd, 4th, and 5th, our Revive Prayer Conference. Hear me when I say this is the most important event of the entire year is our prayer conference. There is not a better way to start out the year. And this year, I could not be more excited about our guest speakers. My friends, Dr. Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church in Tulsa, will be here on Wednesday the 3rd. Pastor Joe Kola of First Wesleyan here in Bartlesville will be here on Thursday the 4th. And Pastor Bruce McCarty from Owasso First Assembly will be here on the 5th. These are three of my best pastor friends in the state, uh, guys that I talk to on a regular basis, guys that pour into my life and I learn from, and I am so excited for you to hear from them. So get these dates on your calendar before anything else gets on there because we want you to be a part. All right, let's get into the word. Would you stand with me? We've got our in the vault text. Ephesians chapter three, we're looking at verses 19 through 21. It says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is your part. Start screaming. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And again, the words we're going to look at through this teaching series are the words infinitely more because that's the kind of God that we serve. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the power of your word. It challenges us. It changes us. It makes us more like you. Today, as we commit to this teaching and we hone into your words, may it be your voice that fills this house. People don't want to hear me. We don't need to hear what I have to say. We need to hear from you today. Communicate with us, we pray, in a powerful way and receive all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. So the topic this month, the question we're asking ourselves is, do you believe in miracles? And if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you, go to our YouTube, go to our Facebook, watch it. The reason I say that is because it catches you up. It gives you kind of the foundation of the whole teaching series for the month. And I don't have enough time today to go back and recap everything from last week, but here's just a couple of quick highlights. We talked last week about miracles of redemption. It means exchange, where we trade one thing for another, and Jesus and Elisha made things that were sinking, they caused them to float. Some principles that we're going to talk about all throughout this teaching series are, number one, that miracles happen throughout Scripture. We see 120 miracles recorded in Scripture. Secondly, we hear about miracles that are still occurring today. But third, the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. That God in His mercy and in His grace would send His best in the form of Jesus that we might be saved. Has anybody experienced that miracle? That was kind of weak. It's kinda, has anybody experienced the miracle of salvation? Okay. Because I was about to say, we're about to have a world record altar call in about 10 minutes. Because some of y'all were like, I'm like, wow, bow your heads and close your eyes. All right, I've been reading this book about miracles called Miracles Are For Real by Jim Garlow. And we've been categorizing miracles in the teaching. But I want to show you just another perspective of how he uh, describes miracles that God does in our lives. He says, Jesus performed miracles in five different arenas common to humanity. 
He intervened in the human heart, which we call salvation. He intervened in the human body, which we call healing. He intervened in human emotions, which we call deliverance. He intervened in nature, such as when he calmed the storm. And he intervened in death by, ra- or by, by what does it say? Death by raising people from the dead. Sorry. The point of the teaching this month is to develop our understanding of miracles and to remind us of the supernatural nature of the God that we serve. Now today we're talking about miracles of multiplication. Multiplication, simply stated, is where you take something small and it ends up with something large. And this is what we always pray for at Chick-fil-A, that the guy counting my 12 nuggets can't count and he goes to 13 or 14 instead of 12 that the dude scooping or the the dudette scooping my fries in the medium gives me enough for a large that my chick-fil-a sandwich has the large piece of chicken not the breakfast portion that was left over We, we believe in multiplication in that realm but we also see that our church that spirit church is the product of multiplication That in 1921 or 22, we started as a prayer meeting and God in his faithfulness has allowed this church to continue to multiply and grow throughout the years. We see multiplication as people serve and give every week right here at Spirit Church. Think about it, $410,000 in the first nine months of the year that have already gone to missions and outreach. He's a God of multiplication. About two years ago, Pastor Daniel asked me, hey, would you come to our Friendsgiving event for youth? It's actually happening again tonight. Friendsgiving is awesome. They prepare a wonderful meal. Our students can come in and and build relationships and experience community and just spend time growing together in their faith and growing in their waistlines and belly lines too, right? And that particular night, we were prepared for 100 students to come. There was 100 pieces of chicken along with the dressing or stuffing, if you want to call it that, and the veggies and the pies. And so Mike Bauman, my friend who had smoked all the chicken, he said, Pastor, you got to come try this chicken. It's my famous recipe, smoked chicken. And so I went in there and I ate the whole piece, and it was good. It was awesome. The only problem was we had 119 people show up that night. Now, we started with 100 pieces, and I ate one. So 100 minus 1 is 99. And there was 119 people that came to service that night, and Pastor Daniel will back me up. Every single one of them ate. And the only explanation that we have is that God multiplies what we put in his hands. It's the only way we can explain it. And so in this study of miracles, we are considering the miracles that God chose to do through Elisha in the Old Testament and the miracles that we see Jesus performing in the New Testament. And between Jesus and Elisha, we see three really unique situations where multiplication occurs. If you have your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 1, we're going to look at Elisha's stories first. I want you to look in your Bible on your phone, or as always, we try to put the verses on the screens for you. This is a story we've heard before, but let me give you some context. You'll remember that Elisha led what was called the school of the prophets. These were men that were training to be in ministry with Elisha. Last week, one of them lost his axe head while they were cutting logs near the Jordan River. This chapter begins with a widow and her children who were left behind after a man died. And widows in this society were vulnerable and their opportunities to make money were extremely limited. So 2 Kings 4.1 says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. 
And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take away my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. See, the law of that day said that if you couldn't pay your debt, a creditor could come and take you or your children, and they would work for them as slaves in order to pay off your debt. As I've studied the the flask of olive oil that the woman had, it reminds me of the flask that I carry with me a lot of times in my pocket. The, The scholars believe it wasn't a large pitcher or a large jar. It was actually just a smaller, almost like a perfuming jar that you would use to anoint your body with oil. And this was all that the woman had left in her house was a small flask of olive oil. Verse number three of 2 Kings chapter four. Elisha says, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars and set each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing the jars to her, and she filled one after another. This is a pretty cool miracle that's taking place. But I want to show you the best words of this passage are the words she did as she was told. There is a critical connection between obedience and the miraculous. She went and borrowed empty jars. She went into her house. She closed the door. She poured from her flask into the other jars. And and sometimes we overlook the elements of the story. Now, I get it. Going in your house and closing the door and starting to pour is really easy because if nothing happens, nobody else saw it. Right? You're not on the line for it. But knocking on everyone else's doors and asking for their empty jars is going to prompt some questions. What do you want my jar for? What are you going to do with it? When am I going to get it back? And when I get it back, it better have something in it. I mean, that's the law of Tupperware, right? If I loan you my Tupperware, you better return it with something better in it. And we don't see necessarily those responses in the Bible, but what we see is that people were generous because she had many jars to fill. But can I tell you that God was even more generous than her neighbors? Look at verse 6. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. You see, the principle there is that the olive oil didn't stop flowing until she ran out of jars. My question in reading this is, what if she had had more jars? The oil would have kept on flowing. And she had so much oil that she not only was able to pay off her debts, but she was able to keep her sons at home. Instead of them being slaves, they could take care of their mom, they could work the fields, they could provide for her. And this is just the first time that God does a miracle of multiplication through Elisha. I want you to go down in 2 Kings 4 to verse 42. Scroll down a few verses or turn the page to where it is. Again, Elisha's with the group of prophets. It's approximately 100 men are with him at this time. They're training for ministry. The problem is there's a famine in the land and food supplies are extremely limited and Elisha has run out of food to provide for these men. So verse 42 of 2 Kings 4. One day a man brought the man of God a sack of fresh grain and 20 loaves of barley bread. 
made from the first grain of his harvest. Elisha said, give it to the people so they can eat. Look at the next verse, verse 43. What, his servant exclaimed? Feed a hundred people with only this. But Elisha repeated, give it to the people so they can eat, for this is what the Lord says. Everyone will eat, and there will even be some left over. And when they gave it to the people, there was plenty for all and some left over, just as the Lord had promised. Now we look at this and we go, wow, Elisha is on fire, man. He is two miracles of multiplication. But can I tell you that this miracle begins with a man who brought his offering? Because there is a powerful connection between obedience and the miraculous. See, the Jewish law stated that the first fruits of the harvest were to be given or to tithe. There was a famine in the land, though, so giving any part of your harvest would have an impact on your belly and on your bottom line. And this man, anyways, brings his tithe to Elisha. Elisha's part is that he just has expectation that the miracle will occur. And we're going to talk next week about expectation and the role it plays in the miraculous. But, but God provides through one man's obedience. And think about this. A hundred dudes got fed just from that small tithe that was brought in. God multiplies what we put in his hands. Oh, in the same way we see Jesus in a miracle of multiplication where he feeds 5,000. I want you to go to Mark chapter 6 and verse 38. New Testament, Mark 6, 38. And the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is actually found in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I want to be clear, there's another story in the Bible where Jesus feeds 4,000. And we don't have time to study both of those stories this morning. I just want to acknowledge that it's there, that Jesus at one point feeds 5,000, at one point feeds 4,000. So today in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus, his ministry was taking off. We're seeing miraculous things happen. Crowds are gathering. Jesus and the disciples are tired and they're looking for a place where they can go rest. They're so overwhelmed they can't even eat. So Jesus tells the disciples, let's go somewhere quiet. And the Bible doesn't tell us exactly where they go, but when they get there, a crowd finds out that they're there and all of a sudden assembles. So instead of getting to rest, Jesus starts teaching the people who were there. He starts teaching and ministering. The crowd keeps going. And so Jesus tells the disciples, go feed them. And in verse 38, he asked them, how much bread do you have? Go find out. And they came back and they reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, you remember at the end of this story where it says 5,000 men were fed? See, if they would have asked the women, there would have been something more than five loaves and two fish in that purse. You know what I'm talking about? Like how many of your moms got a granola bar that's like 14 years old and half a cracker? I mean, the woman always has something in the purse, but the guys, oh no, do you bring anything? No. That's beside the point. So Jesus told the disciples, have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Verse 41, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. And he broke the loaves into pieces. And he kept giving the bread to his disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Let me point out some important words from this passage. The first one is the word took. That word took, where it says Jesus took is lambano. It means to take hold of. What that means is that Jesus had the bread in his hands and then the miracle occurred. 
He didn't blow on it. He didn't use sleight of hand. He simply took it in his hands. He prayed a blessing over the loaves and the fish that were in his hands. And then Jesus multiplies what we place in his hands. The second phrase is the one that's bolded and underlined for you. He kept giving. It's from the New Living Translation. Some translations say he gave. But the New Living actually has the perfect translation of the word didomai. It means to keep on giving. It means he gave and gave and gave and gave. And even though there was only supposed to be five loaves, he kept on giving until everybody had enough to eat. The Bible says 5,000 men plus their families ate as much as they wanted and there were leftovers. Aren't you thankful we serve a God of multiplication? After the first service, I had a uh, missionary come up to me. She said, a young woman in our church, she said, I served in Haiti and I watched God do exactly that in Haiti. She said, we had kids that would come in every day to be fed and we ran out of food one day. And right about the time we ran out of food, a team walked in with a suitcase full of Zatarans rice packs from the United States and we had enough rice to feed all the kids. It's amazing to see the way that the God of multiplication works. Let me finish by giving you some principles of multiplication this morning. You say, I didn't think I was coming for a math lesson. Don't worry, I went to Bible college. You're not getting one. (laughs) First truth is this. Multiplication often starts with desperation. We've heard that phrase before. Necessity is the mother of invention. Well, desperation is the birthplace of multiplication. And all three situations that we read about this morning, all three stories featured desperation. This poor widow was in danger of her sons being taken as slaves and losing everything that she had. Because of a famine, Elisha couldn't feed the men who were with him. When Jesus was teaching, the multitude had nothing to eat. And I didn't even give you the full context of the story. In fact, Mark chapter 6 and verse 35, I want to put this on the screen and show it for you. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came and said, it's a remote place. It's already late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough people to buy food for all of these people. It was late. They were in the middle of nowhere, and they had no money. It sounds like a desperate situation, but God specializes in desperate situations. A few weeks ago, we had missionaries JT and Rachel Espejo here They told the story of when JT was trapped in Sudan in the middle of a civil war. They couldn't get him out. The government couldn't get him out. Nobody seemed to be able to rescue him. And in their desperation, the only words they could muster were, Jesus, please. And our God, the God of multiplication, made it rain in a country where it doesn't rain and all of a sudden in Sudan in April where they have less than 1% of rain for the entire month it started raining and they were miraculously delivered why because multiplication starts with desperation and God works best in desperate situations here's the second principle this morning multiplication requires two numbers Now, you got to go with me on this for just a second, but in your equation, you've got the multiplication symbol in the middle, and you have a number on one side, and if you don't have a number on this side, you just have like an algebraic, frustrating equation. There's nothing that can occur unless there's a second number to be multiplied by. 
Now, our portion, our amount is only half of the equation. We have to invite and expect the presence and the power of Jesus to come in to our circumstance and work on our behalf. I'll explain it, and I'm taking a massive risk in doing this because I know nothing about math. But here's laws of earthly multiplication. Any number times zero is always zero. What does that mean? You got to start somewhere and involve God in the process because if you're at zero, you got to bring something else into the equation. The second law is that any number times one is always the same number. That means you got to quit being the source. Get yourself out of the equation and get Jesus in the equation with you. When we rely on ourselves to be the source, we will be disappointed. But in the stories we read today, each person was willing to surrender what they had and they involved God so there was another number on the side of the equation and multiplication occurred. Remember, multiplication works best when it's something small multiplied by something large, and that's what God does for us. The third principle is this. God multiplies what we give. You probably figured out that this one was coming because I've already said it a couple times this morning. But he multiplies what we give. The widow gave her last flask of oil. The obedient man was willing to give the first 10% of his harvest as a tithe. Someone in the crowd, maybe a little boy, was willing to give his lunch of five loaves and two fish. What was the return? The return on the flask of oil was unmeasurable. As long as they had jars, there was oil to fill the jars. You couldn't measure the amount that was coming. The return on the barley loaves and the grain were that a hundred hungry men were able to eat and be satisfied. The return on five loaves and two fish were that 5,000 men plus families. So maybe as many as 20,000 people were able to eat if you were counting everyone. It's multiplication that occurs when we give and we place it in his hands. Here's the final principle of multiplication. God uses multiplication for his glory. See, sometimes, and it's just natural, we see multiplication for our benefit. How's it going to help us provide enough chicken for everybody to eat at Friendsgiving? How's it going to make sure that my less than empty tank of gas is going to miraculously get me to the next destination that I'm supposed to go to? But what if God was using multiplication for his glory, not just for our benefit? Think about it, where the woman had a small flask of oil and now she's filled all these empty jars and she goes around and starts selling them. What a commotion this would have made. Where did you get this? How did you come up with this? You've got to tell me the story. Think about the fast, how fast the news spread that Elisha has fed a hundred men in the middle of a famine. I mean, the news feed on that. Food appears out of nowhere and a hundred guys are fed at the school of the prophets. And think about the news coverage when Jesus feeds the 5,000. We begin tonight with breaking news from the middle of nowhere. You're looking at a live helicopter shot of 20,000 people who have just had dinner while they listen to the prophet Jesus teach. Let's go live to the scene to our reporter. Well, it all started with five loaves. I mean, think about the news coverage that would have come from this story. We just kind of read this stuff and go, Jesus fed 5,000. We don't really realize what the God of multiplication did and the way that he receives glory for the things that we place in his hands. God, use multiplication so that you get the glory, not us. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment?
I want to pause and I want you to ask just a very simple question this morning. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me in this moment of multiplication? God, what are you trying to share with me and tell me from this story? What are you trying to tell me from this story? What are you trying to communicate to me? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in this moment? Come on, just yield yourself. I'm going to get real quiet for just a second, and let's just listen to his voice. Holy Spirit, speak to us. might be here this morning and you may not be so sure that you're ready to believe in the God of multiplication maybe you've been disappointed maybe you've been heartbroken maybe things haven't turned out the way you wanted can I promise you this morning that he's real can I promise you this morning that he's moving and he doesn't want to just bring multiplication into your life he wants a relationship with you that's what he wants most desperately Today's a great opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus, for you to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. You may have walked down that road at one time, and for whatever reason, you may have turned your back on him. Maybe choices or decisions have led you away from him. Today's a great moment to make things right again. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I just want to pray with you this morning. If you want to say yes to Jesus, maybe it's your first time, or maybe you just want to reconfirm some things. Maybe you just want to make some things right. Would you just slip up a hand right now and try to make eye contact with me so that I know who I'm praying with and praying for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those who have lifted your hands this morning in courage and confidence. If you're watching online, you can just put the word yes in your text box and let us know that you too are are saying yes to Jesus today. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So you've, you've lifted your hand, you've declared, I believe, but now I want to encourage you. We've got to make this moment of confession. And so I'm going, to help, I'm going to help you. I want us all to pray a prayer together. Would you please repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for praying that prayer. If you're able this morning, would you please stand to your feet? And if you prayed that prayer today, there's a text number on the screen. Our team would love to communicate with you. Our team would love to serve you. We'd help you find out more about baptism and discipleship so that you can become more like Jesus. Before we go, I want to pray for some specific people in the room. So I'm going to ask you one more time if you'd be so kind just to bow your head. When we say praying for multiplication, we oftentimes put the emphasis on the financial and material aspects of multiplication. And we thank God, multiply my money, multiply my possessions and my resources. But I believe there are some of you here in this room that your prayer this morning is, God, multiply the people that I'm able to reach. God, multiply the encouragement that I'm able to give. God, multiply the influence that you have given me for your kingdom. 
And there are some of you that you do have a financial need where you need God to multiply, but he can do infinitely more. He can multiply more than just our finances. He can multiply anything that we're willing to place in his hands. If that's you this morning and you need a miracle of multiplication, would you just lift your hand up right now? And Father, for these who are lifting their hands to you today, they need a miracle. And I'm thankful that you are a miracle-working God. You did miracles in the Bible. You're still doing miracles today. And so we trust you that you can multiply the things that we put in your hands and you use it for your glory. So God, in each of these circumstances, not only do I believe that you are working and moving, but I believe that you're going to receive all the praise for it. Now, if your hand is lifted, just begin to give him thanks that it's done. Come on, use activate your faith and expectation. We believe we see it as being accomplished by faith that you are doing a work that we could not do. And we receive it from a God who provides and meets our needs from the one who does infinitely more than we could ever ask, think, hope, or imagine. Come on, let's give him glory in Jesus' name. Man, God is so good, amen. Amen. He's up to something special in and through our community, but specifically in, our, in this church, God is just doing something incredible in the hearts and lives of many. Hey, I just want to give a quick reminder about tonight. If you have any students, 6th through 12th grade, I want to ask two things. One, if you're too shy or nervous and you haven't gone to youth group before and you're like, man, I'd love to go, but I don't want to be alone, I want to ask you, invite a friend. Bring someone that you might not know that goes to church here, but ask them to come with you. Don't come by yourself. And then two, if you're not planning on coming, please come. I bought way too much pie. My wife will be mad if I put on another 15 pounds. Amen? Okay, so I need your guys' help. If you are 6th through 12th grade, tonight, 530 to 730, we want to love on you, and we want to help you experience a Thanksgiving that's safe and fun and enjoyable for everybody that comes. But, hey, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over us all today. So if you'll lift your hands towards heaven, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go with God this week, guys.